Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 28. On this episode, I'm joined with Matt Strackey of Plains Equipment Group, Andy Porsberg of Gooseneck Implement, and Stacy Anthony of Brand Holdings. On this episode, we are going to talk about the fall harvest, the auction market, and the rest of 2018 and the beginning of 20, what the beginning of 2018 might look like. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so before we get started, I always like to get everyone's kind of general background of, of where they're at and, and the general background of, of where their, their dealership is. So, Matt, why don't you go ahead and give me a little bit of background on yourself and uh, in the geographical area that Plains Equipment covers. You bet. Uh, so I've been with Plains Equipment now for about eight years. Uh, I started out as a sales rep for them up out of the uh, O'Neill, Nebraska location up there in the north central part of the state. And then uh, I got tapped to become the used equipment manager, so I've been doing that now for the for the 15 stores here for oh about five years now. So, um, you know, Plains Equipment basically we've got 15 stores across the state, um, ranging from the southwest down in McCook um, over to the east towards uh, you know Gretna, Elkhorn. Um, so we kind of cover we got some in the north central part of the state then as well. So we kind of got a mix of everything: uh, big farm, big ranch country. So. Um, you know, we've, we've kind of progressed into several different smaller groups and one large one now. So 14 of the stores are in Nebraska. We've got one down in Overland, Kansas. Andy, what, what, uh, tell me about yourself and, and what Gooseneck Implement covers. Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, Andy Porsberg with Gooseneck Implement been, uh, been here since 2009, um, kind of started in sales back in 03 and had another John Deere, uh, primarily construction, but, uh, Gooseneck is an uh, eight-store dealership in uh, northwestern North Dakota. About 90% of the whole goods business is large ag. Uh, cover about 17 counties, roughly about 3.7 million farm acres. Um, been the uh, kind of came on board as like more of an inventory coordinator, uh, inventory management type role. Uh, back in 2012, uh, really focused, started focusing more on the used, but I guess didn't officially become the uh, remarketing manager until 2016. But uh, been doing some some capacity of the role since you know 2012. Okay. And Stacy, what's uh, what's your background in? Yeah, we've been uh, involved in the industry now for about 25 years. Uh, been with Brandt Holdings for about the past 10, 11 years. Uh, we're based out of Fargo, North Dakota. I would say that sole responsibilities when I first came on was to uh, begin and develop the export division, and uh, we started that back in 2006. Uh, today, we export into about 25 countries, and exports is like anything in the ag industry. It's had its up of ups and downs as well, but in addition, uh, yeah, we uh, get quite involved with uh, the domestic remarketing as well, and uh, our stores uh, span now from North Dakota, South Dakota, Eastern Nebraska, Iowa, and Minnesota, and uh, we have 33 locations in those six states. So um, we are just uh, probably winding up right now with uh, fall harvest that's been a little bit late, and uh, honestly, the yields still seem to be uh, doing pretty well, but uh, it has been kind of a slow start, and it's going to be, uh, I think, a long finish before we get it done. Running into with with fall fall harvest, you know, I've had a couple different uh, groups on up talking about fall harvest, and it didn't really matter if it was in the southeast, the you know, the Corn Belt, or even here where I'm at here in Nebraska and up through North and South Dakota. It seems like that this is the, kind of the harvest that won't die. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, think I would agree with that. Uh, 
part of it has been, you know, we had a slow start. We had some rain, you know, kind of interrupt uh, about midstream there. And we've had a nice break in uh, weather here lately, but it just seems like it's taken a, a lot longer time than normal to get it out. So, um, you know, we're embarking on the first part of November here. And when I drive around Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota, there's still a lot of crop in the field. And uh, so, you know, maybe in another 10 days, it should be fairly complete, but it's been a while. Yeah. Yep. And so what do you, Andy, when you take a look at it, your area, I mean, are you having a year geographically, you're, you're up most kind of along the Canadian border. Um, how does that look? How's harvest look up there? And, and is it similar lag time? Are you, are you behind schedule from where you should be or, or are your customers kind of where they should be? Well, actually, uh, you know, we had a pretty, pretty early spring this year. Uh, compared to the last few years because it was actually uh, too dry instead of too wet. So uh, small grains and beans actually came off pretty quick for us. Uh, most most everybody kind of kind of got all that done, you know, roughly, you know, around the August time frame. But, uh, you know, again, for as dry as it was and, and the drought and everything that everybody was talking about, surprisingly, bushels, for the most part, were still pretty much average for the area. Um, you know, some pockets did really well, some some obviously uh, not as good uh, as past years. But the one thing our guys had going for us was the, the quality uh, of the crop, especially in the small grains, was a lot better this year than it has been, you know, obviously, which comes with lower yields, better quality, higher yields, you know, not as good a quality. So, um, you know, that's that's definitely a plus and, and you know, talking to the farmers and, and things that you know everybody you know it was kind of funny because may june time frame the the used buying just kind of shut off for us uh wasn't a lot of things getting moved and a lot of you know just debbie downers out there in the countryside but you know all of a sudden july rolled around the guys got the combines in the field and it just took off like wildfire and you know guys were buying used equipment crops were way better than they thought they were going to be um, you know, for us, mostly dry land corn up here in some of our AOR, I'd say they're probably both, you know, maybe 50 to 60 percent got that off. Uh, but uh, yeah, I look out the window, it's snowing here today, so that probably slowed down a little bit. <clears throat> snowing already. Yeah, we've had our first snow down here as well, and it's it kind of slowed guys down for a minute. But um, <clears throat> we've kind of hit that part now where guys are kind of in the full swing and things are taking off. Um, Matt, what's it look like in your area? Uh, you're kind of eastern Nebraska, so you're going to have a more of that I-80 corridor kind of corn belt thing going. So how's that looking for you guys? And behind schedule, head of schedule, and how how's the bushels looking? Well, I think we're, you know, from listening to the reports, you know, I think we're behind. Um, it's been been kind of a struggle. You know, we were slow to get in, but uh, we had a couple of weeks of uh, rain. It seemed like it wouldn't quit there. Um, put a lot of guys behind to even get started. Um, then everybody kind of got going pretty good. And then here, oh, I, you know, within the last couple of weeks, we had just such wicked winds going, um, you know, and that really took a toll on the, on the corn. Um, a lot of, we got a lot of stocks that are laid over, um, a lot of ears on the ground, you know, if the stocks didn't go over, the ears fell off. So, um, we've had more, more interest in guys looking for, you know, picket heads type of thing. Um, trying to get some of that corn up off of the ground. I mean, I've heard reports as high as 70 bushel on the ground. Um, so that's been been kind of a struggle for a lot of those guys. Um, the uh, it seems like you know certain certain hybrids that really did it more than others. But uh, I know it's it's been kind of a struggle for a lot of the guys in the east. 
Um, we've seen some of it up here in the north central part of the state, um, maybe not as not as severe, but uh, you know the beans all come out well. Um, they did uh, did well on those. Um, you know, and the corn that that did get harvested, you know, before the stuff went down was looking pretty good. Um, but but now it's really kind of slowed down a lot. Um, you know, I'm guessing that probably overall throughout our AOR, we're probably looking, you know, at about a 60% completed on the corn. So we've got a little ways to go. Weather's been a little more favorable here as of late, so there's guys clipping along pretty good now. Um, but uh, we got a little ways to go yet. Great. How, how does that affecting your customers right now? I mean, are they obviously are they probably a little crankier than they normally are? But is that are they seeing some maybe some some insurance money come through that they're maybe going to get uh, get a hold of? Or um, you know, what's that? How's that? How's the current crop condition conditions playing out for uh, for your customers? Well, I don't, you know, I guess I haven't really heard a whole lot on the on the insurance side. I'm sure that those guys are out there uh, chatting about it to see what see what they can get out of that. Um, you know, obviously that doesn't put anybody in a very good mood to to get your crop that far, and then uh, there it is laying in the dirt. So, um, you know, up here in the in the north central part of the state, you know, the if there wasn't as much on the ground, you know, guys will send the cows out there to try to clean that up and utilize some of that. But uh, you know, the uh, you know, though I think the overall sentiment for a lot of those guys, it's just a struggle. They're frustrated. You know, they're late to get going, and then having to battle that on top of it. And of course, commodity prices being what they are doesn't help any either. So, um, you know, it's it's just going to be a battle here. We'll get through it, but uh, but it'll it'll be uh, everybody will be more than ready to be done here. Yeah, we, we're kind of fighting the same thing out here too. We have plenty of crop that is that's laid over, and and guys are the same thing. You know, they looked like they're going to have some pretty good bushels and and you know some of it's laying on the ground now so they're obviously uh, frustrated and, and mad and what have you else but um for the most part we're still seeing a lot of activity it feels like so um yep yep <clears throat> how much wheat do you guys grow in your areas so and stacy do you have a little bit of wheat in your area uh, very little, maybe a little bit in a couple of our regions, but, and that's in and up and looking, you know, I'd say pretty good so far, but, uh, yeah, we really don't have a lot. It's mostly corn, soybeans. Mostly corn, soybeans, yeah. Is that, the what you do see, is that pretty much just for graze? They just graze it with cattle or do they actually cut it with, you know, to cut it for Well, uh, some for of them actually, yeah, most of it's cut for harvest, so, mm-hmm. uh I would say what's what's in and, and ready to go is up and looking good, and it's uh, it's got a good color to it. I think the germination was good on it, so the wheat crop right now, at this stage, looks pretty good. Good, good. Andy, is your situation about the same as Stacy's? I mean, overall, you're you're probably not a, producing a lot of wheat up that far north. Uh, yeah, actually, um, you know, when you get uh, our <clears throat> eastern part of our AOR, kind of you know, kind of butts up to them, a lot more row crop in our, our two eastern stores. But when you get west of there, actually, the probably the primary crop is wheat, mm-hmm. either Durham or, or Hard Red uh, winter or Hard Red Spring. Um, wheat crop was actually pretty good this year for the most part, probably about average yield. Uh, protein was good uh, for from from what I've heard from most of the guys. So, um, you know, usually, usually there's a few guys, especially some of the bigger guys that I'll, That'll plant some winter wheat, but uh, the kind of the the early moisture here this fall kind of kind of put the 
put the lid on that. So not a lot of winter wheat in this year, but um, I'm sure there will be plenty of it this spring again. Yep. How, has the drought situation up there affected your far western stores? Uh, you know, it did uh, a little. Uh, like I said, I think it, you know, really got everybody kind of down in the dumps for, for a couple months, and that's all they could talk about, you know, because that's, that's kind of how farmers are sometimes. Um, but uh, like I said a little earlier, once once they got in the field for the most part, you know, it, it, it really turned around quick. And uh, we've uh, really seen a lot of optimism out there. Good. That's kind of where we're at too. I mean, we we've had the most part the moisture that we've needed. We we haven't necessarily had the best um, conditions, but our wheat's standing up and it's looking good. Um, so hopefully, moving into you know 2018, that we have a fairly decent wheat crop. Um, Matt, what about your area? You probably don't have a lot of wheat in your in your area. Maybe up in your northern part of your territory. I guess down Actually, in Oberlin, you uh, would, Oberlin, you'd have quite a bit. Yeah, down down there in our in the southwest corner, down in the McCook area, yeah. uh, Oberlin, um, you know, is where where the wheat's at for us. I guess um, they were a little slow to get started down there, <laughs> battling some some wet conditions there, um, you know. But I think everybody got it in, you know, got it in on time. But uh, you know, I think that there was less acres planted, you know, in our area than than uh, prior year. Wheat acres, like you're talking about, did a lot of that stuff get planted into soybeans, corn, or, or what? What do you see that stuff get planted into? I, I think it was a mix, um, probably more corn than anything. Um, but uh, yeah, I think those guys are just kind of kind of going away from the from the wheat end of it and and uh, just going into more of your mainstream, you know, corn and soybeans. So you know, I don't really know a a good breakdown or give you a solid number on that, but. Uh, they're just kind of making it seems like they're making that transition you know we have a lot of wheat acres that got that didn't get planted and they got planted with something else whether it be you know corn or soybean or edible beans or uh you know sugar beets or something like that out here are the rest of you you know andy and and stacy your wheat acres are they up or down from what they've been in the past or are they about the same uh you know for for us i would say that you know wheat kind of seems like it's the one crop that kind of stays the same um you know there's there's guys that depending on the prices and and sometimes the payments you know they'll they'll maybe take some wheat and wheat acres and and put them into beans or you know uh maybe a little extra canola or something like that but um you know it's just it still seems like for 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 us the wheat acres still remain pretty steady Yeah, I'd say the same for us. I mean, you know, two, three years back, they went down uh, significantly in a couple of our areas, but the last couple of years, they've maintained uh, kind of the same. Okay. All right, so let's jump in and take a look at what the auction market looks like. Um, You know, going into this, into the 17 here, this is usually the biggest time of the year for auctions. There's a lot of uh, end of the year buying that revolves around that, so... You know, when you look at the auction market right now in your area in in across the country, for that matter, um, how do you think it compares to last year? And and do you see more or less auction activity taking place now? Go ahead, Stacy. Uh, I think that uh, we're going to have some competition like normal in fourth quarter for auctions. There's going to be, you know, probably a considerable amount of activity, both online and live. I do think that overall. Uh, throughout the summer and early fall, we've seen less than what we typically see. Um, but I do believe, and I, I think the, the auctions are struggling, you know, to to punch out the values that dealers want. And, 
I think they're going to continue to to do that through the end of the year. But I I do believe we're going to have a considerable amount of pressure on auctions and retail values from now till uh, we get everybody across the finish line. <clears throat> Andy, what do you see up in your neck of the woods? I mean, you have a you probably have a little Canadian pressure with uh, with the dollar the way it is. Um, how's that How's that affect your business when it comes to the auction market? Well, actually, it, it it works out pretty well for us. Uh, most of most of anything, if we need to go to the auction with it, goes north. Um, but uh, you know, to tell you the honest truth, we don't we don't feel a lot of direct auction pressure um, in in our area. I was actually talking to Aaron a little bit about this yesterday, uh, trying to trying to do some wholesaling back and forth, and it it's kind of a it's kind of a catch twenty two because we're able to kind of maintain some retail values where kind of puts us out of the wholesale market in in a lot of in a lot of cases but we we don't really have a real dominant auction yard in our AOR you know really even probably within 500 miles you got to get up into into Canada you know Saskatoon or or Regina or down to Minneapolis and I would say you know Ritchie Brothers or like the Stephas or or somebody like that's probably the closest really auction company we have so um you know, we feel a lot more of the probably residual effects from from you guys. You know, where where you got an auction auction yard in your backyard, and and uh, you know you you've got to play the the you know the auction the auction game uh, with retail pricing. You know, so we probably get a lot more where guys are out online looking at you know what what dealers down south are asking for a tractor, and and we're forty fifty thousand dollars higher and. Um, you know, we've had to do a lot of things to try to maintain that, um, you know, kind of gap, I guess you'd call it. Uh, but as far as like auction value, local auction values, you know, most of the farm auctions around here are all, you know, older equipment, 9,600 combines, 90, you know, 9,650s, you know, older four wheel drives, things like that. So, uh, you know, we don't see a lot of direct pressure, especially on the later model equipment as far as auction values. Matt, what are you seeing, Matt, out in your area? Well, you know, I, obviously the auction, I think the, the activity is still pretty high out there. Um, you know, we, we uh, there's still a lot of equipment, I think, to get, you know, funneled through from the dealers. Um, I do think some of them are backed off just because of some of those values that they're seeing on there, you know, not generating the money that they're hoping to get out of that. Um, you know, but, but all that does play in, you know, I think, you know, we've got the guys that, um, you know, they're looking a little further away, trying to see what stuff is selling for, you know, and and you have to deal with some of that, um, you know, on your retail values of trying to compete a little bit with that. But, um, you know, we, we don't do a whole lot of auction, um, business ourselves, you know, selling stuff on there, you know, any, any kind of major items, um, you know, so we kind of try to lean on the, on the whole thing of, uh, you know, trying to buy it from a dealer, it's worth a little bit more. You got a little more history, you know, or where it's coming from. Um, try to leverage that out, you know, on a solid history, you know, to try to justify a little bit higher value. But, uh, you know, the, the auction thing still gets brought up a lot, you know, but uh, on the flip side of that too, some of the guys thinking that their stuff's worth, you know, these higher values, you know, you can work that back the other direction and say, you know, well, here, if you want to play the auction thing, Here's what you know. Similar machines like yours are bringing, um, you know, and try to try to work that both ways. But uh, you know, overall, I think 
you know, some of the dealers have backed off a lot um, from what they're doing. So you know, it's still it's still certainly playing in, but uh, I don't think it's as big an effect as it as it has been in the past. Yeah, I mean, it feels like the auction market's really become a very normalized place. I don't think there's anyone that can say that that numbers at the auction are, are surprising anymore compared to what you maybe saw during the slide of 14 going in, you know, to 15 and to 16. So, I mean, you know, I've said it before in this podcast that, that we've probably hit somewhat of a soft bottom and, and uh, there's a bit of leveling out there. There's still some items that, that are probably going to be that you need to watch and, and kind of be careful about. But overall, um, I think it's helped educate the customer as to what the true marketplace is. Um, so now with that being said, with the auction market the way it is and, and this, the, the period, the quarter that we're moving into here, the fourth quarter, how do you guys see um, your customers' buying decisions when it comes to how they look at the auction and, and how that's going to affect your retail business? Um, Andy, what do, you, what do you think about that? Well, um, you know, for us, we, we've, uh, you know, we've, we've done a, done a pretty good job. I, I shouldn't say we, uh, owner and the guy that, that, uh, started the company did a pretty good job of creating the culture with the customer, you know, customer service and, uh, you know, focused as far as from the dealership standpoint. So you know, we still probably do a lot more recon than most and, and, and things like that. And, you know, but, uh, you know, our, our customers are probably willing to pay us, uh, maybe a little more i'm sure every dealer says that but um you know the the biggest thing for us is you know we just tried to really give our salesmen some tools to really try to combat the the auction thing and that's that's actually for us worked really well um you know so i mean you know we get a lot of customers come in obviously you got your you know 20 percent of your customers are going to be price buyers and that's it and you're always going to come in and say they could have bought it cheaper down the road at an auction sale and you know, we basically just challenged our sales guys to tell the guy, well, well, in our area, no, you couldn't, <laughs> because if uh, you could have bought that tractor for two hundred fifty thousand, you'd have it sitting in the yard right now, and you don't. So, um, you know, but like I said, uh, for us, it isn't like there's an auction every week where they can go buy one either. So it's a it's a little different, little different game for us. But uh, you know, as far as uh, year end effect on the on the auction, um, you know, actually today we we are doing a few price adjustments and things like that just to try to try to uh, you know um, kick up a little little more year end buying, a little bit more year end interest, and you know, just trying to you know kind of maybe bring things back in line with the market a little bit, uh, especially on some age pieces that we've got sitting around. Um. <clears throat> So, Stacy, how how do you see your guys looking at them? You have a kind of a bigger dynamic as far as your AOR goes. So, how, how do you think your customers are going to react to the current market conditions, and and you know how's that going to affect your retail buy? Well, we sit in an area where there's close proximity of several different choices they have in the auction market. So, it's 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 a it's a huge deal for us to compete with. I think one thing that's going to relieve the pressure somewhat is today's auction buyer uh you know has a trade-in and uh, a lot of them didn't worry about that trade-in in years past uh, they were able to remarket that themselves as remarketing those trades has become more difficult i think they're you know starting to steer away a little bit from that if they need the equity out of that trade right away they're going to be you know a little bit more friendly trying to trade at the dealership you're going to lose the guys probably or have a tough time holding them if they're an outright buyer, or you're going to have to get really competitive on your on your retail price. But 
you know, the guys right now, I think it's going to cut a lot of them away from the auction if they've got a trade they need to execute before you're in. So that's going to be one thing that could be playing into the favor, and that's where we're trying to get out ahead of it uh, right now, um, marketing and getting some of those guys' trades done early rather than later um, so that we can try to stay out of that snake pit before, you know, the 1st of December gets here. Yep. So, Matt, what do you think in your area with – you're you're surrounded by a lot of uh, quite a few dealers of equal size. So, what do you see happen in your area, and how are your customers reacting to to what they see happening? Well, you know, I, I gotta echo Stacy's comments there a little bit. You know, with the with the whole trade thing. You know, most of the guys um, with the with the way the markets have been, you know, for the last few years, you know, aren't uh, aren't real keen about keeping extra equipment around. So. Um, dealing with the trades it becomes a big deal and that you know that does kind of i think steer them away from the from the auction side of it um you know surrounding dealers um you know it's i don't know that's that's always a tough call you're never sure what what everybody else is going to do when it comes to the end of the year and and what they're going to punch out and and what kind of deals they're going to make to try to clean some things up but uh you know, we're just trying to leverage the marketing end of it, um, trying to get deals done, you know, sooner rather than later, um, you know, dealing with the trades. We've we went through and tried to really right-size our inventory, price things aggressively um, to generate the interest out there, you know, and then being able to back it up with some good financing and, and that, you know, to try to help these guys along, um, I think is what's going to actually pay the dividends in the end. Yeah, creativity is getting to be a bigger and bigger part of this business when you start looking at how you're going to structure things. So, um, yeah, I'm right there with you. As far as we're concerned, when you look at the auction market, it is what it is. I don't know that we're going to say that uh, I think our customers, again, understand that it's there and there is some you know pressure there that they could, they could absolutely um, run into. But at the end of the day, I don't, we're, not, we're not adjusting our, our business to be – to form around the auction you know we're we're definitely looking at a retail perspective and what we feel comfortable like we can resell a piece of machinery for when we trade for it and that's how that's how we take that approach and and we've always always done the same that same thing too so um perspective just overall i feel like there's been a little bit of uptick in activity in my area i feel like there's a lot of guys looking at stuff um we've got i looked at a lot of evaluations and, and have valued quite a bit of equipment compared to what i thought we might have this time of year so um, you know, Andy, are you seeing something similar in your area? Do you feel like guys are kind of starting to come to the table early a little bit, or do you think there's still a lot of guys waiting to see what happens more towards uh, mid-November, first part of December? Yeah, it seems like for us, you know, we always get to, you know, got to talk to the tax man in December type thing. But, um, you know, this year, uh, the, the last four to eight weeks for us been been fairly fairly flat compared to last year. But, um, you know, I think that was just kind of, you know, some guys waiting on insurance money and, and things like that in, in October. So, uh, I'm actually, I, I'm actually, you know, looking at, I think November, December, we'll, we'll probably be up probably, I would say 10 to 15% over last year, as far as used sales go. Can't ask for anything better than that in the, in the conditions that we're in. Stacy, what do you see as, as far as that playing out and, and, and what's the feel in your area? Well, I think that, you know, the late harvest is going to put pressure on trying to get us to 
pull those guys ahead before they get tempted by the auctions. We're trying to do the best we can, but the late harvest is definitely putting a squeeze on that window. Um, I think that um, there has been some uptick in activity, although we're calibrated probably for a flat to maybe up 5% finish at the end. But uh, it'd be great if we get up, you know, beyond that. But we're, we're kind of calibrating our inventory reduction goals to kind of be, to be uh, around those matrix. So I think we're going to hit our targets on keeping inventories where we want and getting some of those, uh, you know, last minute December sales captured. But uh, like it always has been, it's a fight to the end, and uh, there's always pressure on margin in December. So we're going to do the best we can and, and just try to develop and forge that relationship and, and uh, hold them as, you know, as well as we can do. So, yeah. Matt, what do you see in your area, and, and how is it – is corn harvest the way it's going right now? Do you, do you feel like you might have had some stuff happening to start, and then maybe there's a little bit of a tail off here towards the end, or – do you feel like there's still guys coming to the table? Well, you know, um, you know, here we use a we use a centralized an appraisal system, you know. So um, I see everything that that uh, you know we're looking at trading for, and we've kind of been, you know, under what 2016 has been throughout most of the year here, um, up until the last actually few weeks, and now we're on a we're on an upward trend of activity. Um, seems like it's really starting to ramp back up again. So. I think even with the conditions being what they are um, right now, the guys are, you know, starting to make those decisions, thinking ahead um, of what they're of what they're going to do. Um, so I think, you know, overall at the end, I think we're going to end up probably, you know, flat, uh, just you know, a few points maybe above of what uh, of what we were. But you know, there is a little bit of optimism out there. I think. Um, obviously the, the way the harvest has went here with the down corn and stuff may put a little bit of damper on it, but, you know, I think that'll all, that'll all come to pass here. And, and, uh, you know, I, I see a fairly good upward trend here towards, towards the end of the year. So looking out at the beginning of 2018, what are some of the strong points you guys see, uh, maybe in, in a trend wise in the equipment business and maybe what are some of the weak points you see as, as a trend? Well, um, I, 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 I'm not sure what I, what I see as a trend. I know what needs to happen as a trend. Uh, we, we need, we need, uh, we need to sell some used air drills and some used sprayers. Uh, that, that's, that's something we need to kind of just make happen. Um, as far as just looking at the 2018 EOP numbers, we were, we were about double, uh, our air drill and sprayer sales from last year. So, um, Good thing is, I guess most of the stuff coming in is going to be section command 550 carts on the drills and and uh, you know the the R series sprayers. So um, you know it'd be um, looking for I guess a, a positive spring and and planning and and spring um, combines for next year. I think uh, we're probably going to see in our area pretty a fairly flat market for for combines next year. Uh, my uh, and and I guess for for uh, for the things that we're really watching is, is four wheel drives. Uh, especially when you, you start watching the, the values on some of those older, um, you know, the early, early R series, you know, the 20, 2012, 2013 models. Um, you know, if we can keep them around that under a thousand hours, uh, seems like we don't have any trouble moving them, but if, you know, those machines are starting to get into that thousand to 1200 hour range. So, um, you know, those are, those are going to be a little bit of a tough mover for us. Um, but uh, so that's that's kind of what we're looking at for for 2018. 
Stacy, what do you see as some of your strengths and, and weaknesses overall trend wise as far as the uh, as the uh, the market goes? Well, I think you know this time last year when we were looking at 2017, we thought it was going to be kind of scary quiet, and it kind of took us by surprise that January was more active than we you know anticipated it to be. I hope this 2018 January is the same, and it might be if some of this money and some of this insurance money gets rolled over as income into 2018 that might get expended out into the first the first month but uh and i hope it does um but we think that 2017 was a year of recalibration in our books actually i mean we've seen a lot of product segments get uh repriced you know i mean in our opinion we've seen the 50 series combines the norm for them now as far as our opinion goes is you know, somewhere in the 35 to 45 range or 30 to 40 range if they've got hours on them. You know, 60 series seem to be falling in that, you know, 40 to 50, 60 if it's super nice. And 70 series, you know, are slipping down in there into the 70s to 80s now. So it's putting pressure on first year uh, 12 model S670s. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of those in, in 18 uh, slip below 125 retail, 130 retail, down in the 100s. Um, so we're, we're watching that real closely. Um, and, uh, you know, on the flip side, some of the big capacity, high class machines, uh, we think they're going to be a little bit soft, but I think, uh, there's still going to be some good values for, for eights and sixes, just because the numeric, you know, the, the, I'd say probably the overpopulation of a lot of the six R's, they're going to continue to receive price pressure, but, uh, the balance of it, we see some, uh, stability and strength, especially in the eights and the nines still have a little bit of a soft bottom going on. But uh, outside of that, you know, we have hope that 18 um, could be, uh, you know, a year that we have a, a more solid floor in, in these markets that have had a soft bottom to them. And we hope that we can start to see margin improvement. But uh, we just really need a little bit of a commodity bump here in price. And I think we could there's some forecast out there that there's one coming, just not predicted when it's going to happen as far as uh, short term or long term. But uh, there's some concerns of some of the stockpiles of corn around globally that uh, may not be 100 uh, percent totally consumed, consumable. There could be some damage and some uh, rot laying out there. And so, of course, that hasn't hit the marketplace yet. And uh, if it does, then maybe it'll react. But we'll have to wait and see. Matt, what about in your area? What do you see as far as you know 2018 goes, and, and what are some trends and weaknesses that you see, positive and negative trends that you might see uh, affecting your area? Well, I think you know one of the one of the biggest obstacles to you know that I think a lot of us are going to have to try to overcome is still just the glutton of you know used used combines out there in the market. Um, you know, that's, I think that's putting pressure on everybody. Um, you know, some of those have found their ways out to the auctions, you know, and you're seeing some pretty, pretty soft numbers on those, um, you know, which doesn't certainly help, you know, the retail side of things. So yeah, as guys still trying to work through those, uh, I think that's just going to be an ongoing pressure there to try to, to try to get those through, um, you know, some of the, the upsides, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing some pretty good growth in the, in the smaller smaller tractors, utility tractors, um, you know, those have been a, have been a good seller for us. Um, I can, I kind of foresee that to still continue on, um, out there at six, 6,000 series tractor has been a, been a pretty good tractor for us. Um, you know, we've also seen some really good, uh, 
activity on the late model use planners as well. Um, I think that that'll be a real strong point for us coming up here in 2018. Um, you know, the, the older equipment, we've been able to have some pretty good, uh, some pretty good results on that stuff. We've been able to work through that. Well, um, you know, our, our margins overall have been up, um, on most everything. So, um, we've got some, we've got some good things to build on there. Um, you know, my, my big concern is just, you know, the, the combine thing is going to be tough, um, to try to work through tillage has been another one that's really kind of been a battle, um, trying to get through some of that stuff as well. So you bring up the tillage aspect of it. That's the third time I've had a guest on here. that talked about, you know, use tillage and what that's going to look like, uh, next year. I agree with you a hundred percent on the tillage part of it. I feel like there's going to be, um, it's just getting harder and harder to move some of this later model um, tillage equipment, and even 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 some of the the earlier stuff. You know, um, it's even getting harder uh, to move some of that stuff around too. But um, it feels like from the combine deal, I'm gonna I'm gonna echo a lot of statements that were here that have been said here already. But you know, when I look at the combine marketplace, to me, it feels like on those 12s, 13s, 14 model combines, whether it's Case, John Deere, New Holland, whoever it is. There's one sold that feels like two of them get put back into the into the used market stream, and um, it's just like there that's just there were so many manufactured during those years that it's going to be a long time before that that glut of of, of equipment um, gets you know pushed through and and there's some somewhat of a leveling system out there. I feel like the uh, for us some of the trends I think we'll see happen will be some of these later model combines. Um, you know I said going into uh 17 and even into 16 that i thought the one-year-old late and low stuff was going to be a premium and, and guys were going to be looking to buy that and they were but not just not in the droves that i thought they would be looking for it um so you know with all that being said i still feel like there's going to be um some some premium there for the uh the late model low hour stuff um but I also think that there's even a there's a even bigger void um, in the marketplace when you start looking at uh, the 1,000 hour to 2,500 hour tractor, for example. Um, start looking at some of those older 8Rs. Guys want to trade those in um, and and move those three and four thousand hour machines into a, a 1,500 or a a 2,000 hour machine. And and there's not really a lot of those to be had in the marketplace. And the ones that are out there are at a at a premium. So. Um, I think from from where I'm at, that's going to be a, a trend um, going into 2018. That that you know, seven eight year old, five year old um, piece of equipment that's got 1,500 hours on it, probably going to be uh, at a value that it's going to be hard to trade for um, for us to make sense in our end. And a lot of the auction values that you're going to see are going to echo a lot of uh, retail activity. Uh, as far as value goes well guys we've made a we covered a lot of ground here um stacy you have anything that you want to any last words you want to pass out to anybody before we close it down no not really i think uh the more communication we can do as dealers the harder we can work together the more iron that we can you know swap back and forth to help the retail activity in our own areas i think that's a plus i think that's a win i think it's anytime we can um you know leverage um what we have as a john deere dealer family to 
satisfy local retail needs, I think that's a good day. And uh, I appreciate the efforts that are being done throughout Moving Iron LLC to foster uh, relationships like that. Uh, I've generated a few myself from, you know, the meetings and, and some of these phone calls and email dialogues that's yielded in some, some good exchanges and trades of equipment. And so I think we just got to continue to make that a priority and uh, appreciate the relationships we have so far. Yeah. Matt or Andy, do you guys have anything you want to add? Yeah, I'm not going to follow that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just I I I think you said it well. I I don't think there's much more to say. I agree 100% that I I mean, I think as long as as long as we're all trying to work together instead of against each other and and uh, you know, that, that's a win-win for everybody. So Matt, you have anything you want to throw in before we close it down? No, those those guys got it. You know, it's uh you know, with with our inventory being the way that it is now, you know, we've we've uh, you know drastically reduced what we've had on hand, you know, and we've had to go out and, and look for a lot of items to try to fill needs, and and uh, you know those relationships are everything, and uh, you know I've been able to do some nice deals to really make it work well for us and for the for the other dealer involved and the customer, you know, it's kind of a a win 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 all the way around and. And, uh, you know, it's, it's helped us tremendously. So, you know, I think that's still going to be huge going forward. Well, I, I agree with, with everything that you guys have said and, and Stacy said, and the, uh, the dealer to dealer transaction and that connection that we have with each other is, is so, so important when you start looking at how, um, we can move equipment between each other and, and fill voids that we, that we're looking for. Unfortunately, a lot of us are looking for the exact same thing. So it's, uh, Sometimes it's a it's a fight to get to get that piece of equipment, but I am uh, I'm I'm really glad to have the the friends and the connections that I have uh, in this business, and and I'm wouldn't want to be any other place. So thank you guys for being on the podcast. Thank you, Casey. Thanks, that's, Casey. Thanks for having us. Yeah, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. I'd like to thank Matt, Andy, and Stacy for being on the podcast. Remember, if you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. You can also send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. Moving Iron LLC has a, a new website you can visit, movingironllc.com. Here you can find information for the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of Moving Iron Podcast, and articles from Moving Iron Blog. Throughout the year, there will be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. If you'd like to support the podcast, please leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you shop at Amazon, go to the Moving Iron LLC website and use the Amazon click-through. You have the same experience that you're used to, but you help support the podcast. You can also find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. <laughs>